0: Drive by cinema. Three nachos
1: and a foaming thermos of fun. All aboard. This is the Earth. We're bound for Alpha Centauri. The journey time will be approximately 1,000 years. Your ticket master will be Paul.
0: Hi, good evening, everybody, or good wherever you are. It's Paul here, and um, with my co-host Richard, who is the captain of our ship, and we're about to set sail for Alpha Centauri.
1: Yeah, so last week we were all stuck on a train, this week we're all stuck on the Earth, which actually we are anyway. Is this another lockdown movie you've chosen? It is, yeah. So uh, today we're looking at The Wandering Earth, are we
0: not? A Chinese-Chinese co-production that looks at the
1: Earth being turned into one Jimongus, a rocket ship. To Alpha Centauri, we do have. I'm afraid, Paul. I have to say, yes, some listener feedback oh, oh. and corrections. Oh, joy of joys! I, I mean, do, do you do you have any corrections that you want to admit to first? That seems to have been your oh. modus operandi. Well,
0: though, no, I was I was about to call you to task last week. <laughs> oh, yeah, me? Yeah, but I temporarily lost my memory,
1: <laughs> so you go first. No, Paul, I've just got... First of all, I've got a little quiz for you. Oh. Question one. What episode number is this? Now that I know, it's
0: episode 13. I'm very clear about that.
1: Very good. Question two. What is the name of the movie this week?
0: The movie we are going to talk about this week is The Wandering Earth. A Chinese, 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 Chinese co-production. I actually counted the number of co-producers here, (laughs) and I, I think it was over 37. So...
1: It's a collective um, project. Yeah, welcome to the Borg. Question three. Yes. What was last week's movie called? Oh, now, do you want it in English or in French? (laughs) I'd like to hear it in French, but I'm going to get it in English. Yeah, it's going to be the Snowpiercer. You're doing very well. These questions were really to build up your confidence. Oh, Oh, I thought it was a test for Alzheimer's. Your fourth question. Yeah, you could consider it that way. Yeah. The last question in this short sequence is this. What is the name of the characters? Oh. The name of the characters.
0: (laughs) In the X-Files. Resheath your scabbard, please. Okay, so I feel gored at this point. What are the name of the characters?
1: The two lead characters. Well, obviously, Mulder and Scully. Mulder and. Scully. Scully. Not, by any chance, Sculder and Mully. No, is that what I said? It is what you said, <laughs> and then I picked up on it, and I said it. This is presumably in the back of yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs>
0: Making us I'm both like now. idiots.
1: What? I'm sorry. What is the correct answer? I've forgotten Exactly. That. Once you've heard it both ways, you can't tell, can you? <laughs> I can't.
0: I don't know. Oh, what, what's it's the real It's Scully, isn't
1: it? It's it is Scully.
0: Scully. Mulder and Scully. <laughs> Who picked up on that?
1: Lots of people picked oh. up on that. I, I became embarrassed, ashamed. I'm really sorry about, about, about
0: that. Uh, In tennis, we call it a forced error, don't we? So I forced your error there, Richard. I'm very sorry about
1: that. I also had someone point out, this is Joe, a uh, loyal listener, and she pointed out Hi, that The Vast of Night...
0: Yes, it's a very good movie. Yes, we know. We know it's a very good movie. Okay, let's move on.
1: No, she observed, <laughs> I think, very shrewdly, that what it is, is it's, it is a mood it's, yes. it's like a mood movie. That's all it is. it is. Just put it on in the background if you want. It's like 1950s. a lava lamp,
0: isn't it? It's a 1950s lava lamp, if they existed, which they didn't. But it's like that. Yes, she's absolutely right. She's hit it on the nail. It's like, do you remember the 90s indie bands that were called, what were they called? Shoegazers, yeah. It's a shoegazy kind of movie, isn't
1: it? Listen, we've got to get on with this podcast before the sun expands and swallows up the inner planets. (laughs) Okay. So, is there a musical sting coming at this point? I hope so. Here it comes. It was very pleasing to me last week that the musical sting that we have sounds quite a lot like a train. Yes. I mean, it's repetitive and unending. Well, you know, it's got that, like walking beat type thing, like a train on a on a track. Well done, anyway, Paul. It's my way of complimenting you. It's a kind of backhanded compliment. Yeah, thank you. Are, are you dumbing me by faint praise there? No, no, it's, it's a genuine compliment. It's quite faint, yeah, but it's compliment. <laughs> <laughs> so, The Wandering Earth.
0: So, yes, The Wandering Earth. Mm, where should we start here? Should we start off with a synopsis or, or, or something else?
1: The starting point is... Yet another global catastrophe, but this one's pretty serious. I mean, there's no ignoring the fact that if the sun is going to expand and swallow you up, you've got to get out of there somehow. Yeah, I mean, I I don't want to take too much truck with the dystopian
0: tendencies of science fiction, but it would be nice to have a science fiction movie that wasn't predicated upon a disaster scenario, wouldn't
1: it? It surely must be possible to do a science fiction movie that doesn't have to have that, yes. We could talk now about why sci-fi always does it. But is this is this particular disaster believable? Did you buy it? What, the fact that the sun would die
0: in 300 years' time?
1: I mean, obviously, the sun is going to die. Yeah. But in millions and millions and millions of years.
0: Yeah. I, I mean, if they'd given us a reason for the sun dying, yeah. like, oh, we were trying to harness some solar energy and we shot nuclear missiles into the sun and killed the sun... Etc. 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 You know, then perhaps it would have been more plausible. But as it stands, no, no, I I couldn't really think of a reason why the sun would suddenly just die, and they don't offer up a reason. So so no, I mean the basic, the basic tenor of, of of all their
1: actions really it, it doesn't really exist, does it? Which is a problem. It's just a grand impetus for the narrative. That the rest of the movie hangs on. Perhaps. You know, like a first mover thing. You don't, maybe we don't need to know why. But I would say one thing about this film. Yeah. I think they bit off quite a lot. Yeah. It was originally a, a story written by a famous Chinese sci fi author. I think they cut or they were unable to put all of the little bits in it. So one thing that I learned was the first unbelievable thing is why. Are they trying to move the entire Earth out of the way of the sun and send it somewhere else? (laughs) And not just get on ships and go somewhere else, like in every other sci-fi movie? Well,
0: now you might say there are 5 billion people to move, but no, everybody's died out, basically, in this movie, so they could just get on rocket ships, you see. Half
1: the people have died. Oh, only half? Really? Is that all? Do you know why? Do you know why? No. Why? When they figured out this plan to move the Earth, using these giant engines they're going to build, The first thing that they need to do, apparently, is stop the Earth rotating. I guess to make it easier to steer? I don't know. They stop the Earth rotating with these engines, and when they do that, tsunamis, mega tsunamis, kill half of the people on the planet. Ah. Is this explained in the movie? Only near the end, where they kind of run through the sequence of events that led up to their decision in a sort of a brief narrated overview which was odd. I mean, they'd alluded to everything that they described, but it was only properly explained, I think, at the end. Okay, well, at the beginning, at the beginning there's like like there's a narrative. I mean,
0: I watched it in Chinese, rather than English, and I don't know if there's any, any mind-the-gap issues, but they said in 300 years, the solar system will no longer exist. And then they queued incongruous shots of birds taking flight, <laughs> fish flapping on the ground, and a monkey looking quite cheekily to camera. I don't know what the monkey was doing. I don't know how that's relevant. But uh, the implication was that the seas had dried up, you see. Now, Uh and then I was confused because Shanghai's covered... When they go back later in the movie, Shanghai is just covered in ice, which could be snowfall, but it's possibly the result of the tsunami, you see. So it's all fitting together. For me, now, you explain the fact that there was a tsunami and a huge wave event that that occurred but i don't think it's necessarily explained at the beginning of the movie what predicament they're in is it we're just they're all underground in in this very futuristic underground bunker and um, which which amazingly looks like laser quest <laughs> you know it's, it's laser quest it's got lights on the ceiling it's got yellow painted uh sort of signs and symbols in a, a very sort of utilitarian font and they're all wearing jumpsuits and stuff they were all in jumpsuits, yeah. So Laser Quest was the vibe I got. So I accepted that. We're all underground, you know, half the people are dead. I thought it was more than that. And Earth is not habitable, and, it's, and the sun's about to die. That's all I really got from the beginning, but I didn't get the why and wherefore.
1: One interesting thing I learned about the story, the written story, this question about uh, why not put people in ships. And apparently, the, in the story, the United States had suggested putting people on spaceships like ARCs and flying them away. Yeah. But the Chinese had objected because it was noted that there would be very limited uh, seats, spaces on those ships. And only the very rich would be able to afford tickets. And the Chinese felt that that was unacceptable. So they promoted the idea of taking the whole Earth uh, rather than allowing only the, the wealthy few, the privileged, to get on board the arc ships. Which I thought was a nice touch. Ah, A very noble objection. So the plan is, stop the Earth spinning, job done, half the people die still. Then we start to move the Earth out of its normal orbit, and as we go further from the Earth, we're going to get colder and colder. Under the beneficent direction of the United Earth Government. The United Earth Government, yeah. Now they've invented to help move the Earth, they've invented these engines called Earth engines. These these aren't the engines that stop the rotation, are they? Well, they're similar. They're just I think they're steerable versions called torsion engines. I see. How do these Earth engines work? Well we're told They they work rather well because we're getting to uh Alpha Centauri, which is four point two light years away approximately, within a thousand years? A thousand years. Now, this is much, much slower than the Io trip that you'd calculated. Yeah, sure. there's no There's no significant change in relativistic mass here.
0: In fact, minimal, minimal change in relativistic mass. But still a rather high velocity, I'd imagine.
1: To imagine that within a thousand years, not going all that fast, I mean, still very fast, but you could get to the next star system. Yeah,
0: 1.7 million kilometres an hour is what I got, which is rather fast.
1: I think I got it was like one two hundredth the speed of light or something like that. Yeah,
0: uh, back to what you were saying.
1: Earth engines, well, we're told that they burn rock. Yes, burn rock, yeah. I'm not sure I totally believe this because, to my mind, and I'm no chemist or geologist... My understanding is rock is mostly stuff that's already burnt. <laughs> it be burnt. I was going
0: to say it's already the results of combustion. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it, granite certainly is. Uh, I don't know about other kinds of rock, but granite most certainly is. Well, it's the mostly of-
1: it's mostly oxides of silicon, iron, zinc. Yes. Uh, admittedly, there are rocks that burn. We call it coal, normally. I guess <laughs> if the Chinese had put out a film where they were going to save the Earth from climate disaster. By burning lots lots of coal, even more coal than they do already. Yeah, yeah.
0: Now, now, but but let's hark back if we can to Io, where we had ammonium based (laughs) oxidisation. Presumably here,
1: well, good chemistry.
0: You know, this this creative chemistry they had in the last movie, you
1: could apply that to this movie and have again. Maybe they're combining it with something other than oxygen. Yeah, yeah. Well, the key thing is you need some kind of chemical potential energy, don't you, to exploit. In some way. And how much yes. energy do you need? Well, this is one thing that I found a bit difficult to believe. They give a number in the movie. They give loads of numbers, and I tried writing them all down, and I must have got them wrong. I must have got them wrong. Right. I wrote them down too. So these earth engines, these earth engines are, I think they said 1,100 metres high. Yes. No, which 11,000. Is freaking high. 11,000. I stopped that. Now that's how many there are, isn't it?
0: No, each engine 11, is 11,000 metres meters tall. High. It's a bit taller than Everest, yeah. <laughs> I, I stopped it to write it down, because I've added an extra zero.
1: I don't. I didn't catch how many there were, but there are thousands of these engines. And, do you know the multi-force of each? Yes, I did. I wrote this down. Is this of each, or is this total? Each. Uh, the number I'm about to say, 150 million tonnes of force. No, Is that no.
0: 150 trillion.
1: Trillion? Ah, yes. okay.
0: Does that change things? That's a power mm. of six involved there. Unless you're using British, British trillions and British millions.
1: In which case, there's a power of twelve involved. I mean, this is incredibly dull for a podcast, isn't it? Because we're going to start yeah. talking about powers of ten. <laughs> but the, the mass of the Earth is six times ten to the twenty-four kilograms, right? It is, yeah. So, one hundred and fifty trillion tons of force is ten to the twelve. What is a ton of force anyway? I mean, it's a, a ton, well, a ton is ten to the three,
0: so that's ten to the fifteen. Uh, and force, I, I think they mean newtons, basically. So, uh, or sorry, no, probably probably plus the g.
1: No, no, probably yeah, right. So it's times ten. It's probably times ten. Time 10 it's another
0: one. So ten to the sixteen versus ten to the twenty-four. Wait a minute. You've got how many? It's ten thousand of them, which is t- another ten to the five. You've got ten to the twenty-one against ten to the twenty-four. So one thousandth of the weight. You're not going to accelerate the Earth very quickly. Huh? Not
1: fast, but you do have over a thousand years to do it. So you got a long time. You have got a long time, but you got to decelerate. You're going to have to reach that speed, and yeah, you're going to have to turn around and slow down. Or you'll shoot out the other side,
0: and that speed is an average speed of one point seven kilometers an hour, assuming you know continuous steady acceleration. Million kilometers to, an hour, you said. One point seven million. Yeah, you've got to reach a total of about three point four million kilometers an hour, given the fact that it's a con- constant acceleration. So yeah, I, a little bit dodgy, is it not?
1: Yeah, I heard a million, though, and I, I thought I was way out and ridiculous. And it made me wonder why they'd put numbers in if someone had worked them out. Because they got advisors, didn't they? They got scientific team in from some educational establishment to assist them with the science. Well,
0: whatever you do, don't send your sons and daughters to the educational establishment, <laughs> is all I can say. Wow, yeah. So
1: first science check, I think we have to say a fail here. Yeah? Except that, Yeah. look, I mean, okay, we've got millions of years to figure this out. But the sun is going to go foom at some point, and if we're still around, we may have to fix it. Perhaps moving the Earth isn't totally mental. I mean, the other problem with putting people on spaceships is, you know, how do you make an environment that will keep people alive for a thousand years on a, on a spaceship? That's also... I mean, the Earth is ready-made for that, right? So maybe it's not totally crackers. It's not totally crackers. But it does still come back to the problem of how you move the Earth. I mean, how would you ever... Have the acceleration to move the Earth. I mean, if you think about it, it's like pulling yourself up by your bootstraps, isn't it? I mean, if you split the Earth in half and pushed one half away at 100 miles an hour, then we would be going 100 miles an hour in the other direction. Yeah. You know, you get those engines have got to throw out a lot of stuff extremely quickly to to actually move the Earth. I mean, you'd just run out of material, wouldn't you? Surely.
0: Yeah. I mean, I mean, we're talking about an awful lot of popping candy, aren't we? Really. You know. <laughs> I mean. <laughs> yeah so whatever magical popping cannon they use good luck to them okay well I mean so shonky signs number one let's just move quickly onto the lead characters they're introduced pretty quickly the lead guy the hero of the, of the piece is Liu Qi who's, whose dad is and was and is an astronaut and his dad's been sent on the space station you might say what's the space station there's a space station that's preceding the earth rather like uh, the old automobiles had a man walking with the flag in front of them <laughs> For some reason, they've decided to send a spaceship ahead to look for any problems. His dad's on that.
1: You'd think they would know if there were any problems up ahead.
0: We'll get to that again, I think, at another point in this, uh, this dissection. But yeah, you'd think they know if there were any problems coming, but obviously they don't. Uh, so they have put a space station a few, I don't know, a few million miles ahead.
1: But you know, there's another reason why they did that. Of course, in the movie, they explain that it's a contingency plan. Because ah. it contains... A load of genetic material and seeds. and We we'll later find out, yeah, yeah. There's a whole repository of human,
0: uh, human and animal life and plant life. I think
1: in there. So I guess the people who planned this mission kind of knew they were going to screw it up, and they were going to accidentally plunge the Earth into Jupiter. Which, <laughs> by the by, is what is happening during this movie. Yeah, they've somehow miscalculated, and we're going too close to Jupiter for comfort.
0: So anyway, Liu Qi is the, the hero of the piece. He's got daddy issues, and daddy is on the space station uh, and has left Liu Qi, luckily not to die, but in the underground city, one of the underground cities around the world. He's in the Beijing underground city with his granddad and his adopted sister, Dor Door. Okay, so
1: that's it, really. And they all hang around in, in his la- laser quests. His granddad is a space truck driver. Well, An ice truck driver. In fact, it's basically Ice Road Truckers, isn't it? The movie, this this film. Yeah, they do a lot of trucking in this movie and not a lot of
0: spaceship flying. At some point, uh, the hero, Liu Qi, jumps into one of these, having never driven one before, and... Promptly crashes it. Yeah, and uh, says, oh, this takes five years of... (laughs) This takes five years of training to...
1: Promptly learns how to drive it. To
0: drive, and promptly learns how to drive it just by moving a big ball. So, I don't know what's going on there, but...
1: You'd think, that day and age, they'd have driverless vehicles, wouldn't you? Especially to go out and work in the icy, freezing wasteland of snowball earth.
0: But there we go. Now, immediately, he kind of... The hero drags his his step... His, not his stepsister, his adopted sister, out of school. Uh, and they run off to an underground dive mahjong bar, where there's the local hoodlum who you know, does some black market dealings. Uh, His name is Igor. And uh, they pay for... Is it spacesuits or something? What do they pay for? Well,
1: they're not spacesuits, are they? They're thermal suits. Oh, thermal suits. That you need to go out on the freezing surface of the Earth.
0: Ah, okay, because it's minus 83 degrees out there, yeah. So they pay for spacesuits, and his silly sister kind of lets it it be known that they're not coming back, uh, prompting a huge fight. And then they escape somehow by exploding one of those balls that you can walk on water with, those huge inflatable balls. I don't know what you call them.
1: Zorbs. Aren't they called Zorbs? Yes.
0: Yes. So he has these... He's like Spider-Man with a Zorb in his wrist. So, you know, he shoots Zorbs from his wrist and then they, they end up inside a protective Zorb.
1: And I love those things, actually. Did yeah. he invent those? Is that the idea? He- I don't know. Maybe they're commonplace.
0: But, yes, yeah, so that's interesting. As a means of defense, is just, you know, inflate a ball around yourself. Yeah. So and then they jump they get away somehow, they jump in the ice truck. They've escaped the underground city. Although why they want to do that, I don't know. We're gonna to have to start
1: talking about something mentioned in the film called the Roche Limit. Yes. Well do you wanna do that, Richard, because it's it's a bit too heavyweight for me. Uh, you poo-pooed the whole thing anyway. <sighs> like at aerial drone delivery. And
0: you, um, well, you said
1: well, no such thing. I, well no, I didn't say there's no such
0: thing as Roche Limit. Oh. I said no, I, I, I said that there was no such thing as the Earth disintegrating oh god spoiler alert of uh, disintegrating by flying into jupiter because of the roche limit because i i had i had consulted a very very reliable source
1: oh what's that
0: yahoo answers <laughs> I thought you're going to say cora <laughs>
1: so i defer i defer to somebody that actually knows something about it so richard take some time to explore the roche limit i mean i didn't know much about it before this film but i looked it up as well so the roche limit is the point around uh, an astronomical body at which satellites, if they get within the Roche limit, start to deform and disintegrate because the tidal forces, by which what we mean is the difference, uh, the g- difference of the gravitational pull from one side of the body to the other, uh, is greater that that difference is greater than the internal s- strength. Of the material that the satellite body is made of. And so the Roche limit is not a fixed point because it depends on the stuff, the stickiness of the thing that he's orbiting. Well, it's
0: essentially a gravitational calculation, to see. It makes no assumption yeah.
1: about the structural integrity of the material holding Earth together, you know? So, no, it does. It absolutely does. Does it? So the Roche limit for a gaseous body is going to be much further away than the Roche limit for. Uh, a solid body. And they kind of expressed that in the film because the Earth's atmosphere starts getting <laughs> sucked off <laughs> by Jupiter <laughs> uh, long before, you know, bits of the Earth start coming away. But they do experience a load of earthquakes, don't they? That's how they first... That's very accurate. I mean, whether or not the
0: Earth would entirely be pulled apart as it moved toward Jupiter or inside Jupiter is potentially moot, I think, uh, but definitely, I mean, the distortion of the Earth would cause huge volcanic eruptions. That's without doubt.
1: We've talked before about uh, Io's volcanic activity, yeah. it's caused by the moon being deformed by the tidal forces that orbits Jupiter. Shoemaker Levy, you mentioned that comet that we witnessed plunging into Jupiter, that was broken up into smaller pieces by tidal forces as it... Appeared. Yes,
0: Shoemaker-Levy, which is you know, really, really... I not if you looked at the, the screenshots of that, but it's amazing explosions.
1: So, I mean, I think what... We'll, hmm. You said that Jupiter wasn't dense enough. That's what you said.
0: Well, the density, density is an, a critical issue here in the Roche calculation.
1: No, it's the mass, exactly.
0: Although it might come into the... No, it does, the density... Not the size. The density is critical.
1: Well, only in the sense that...
0: I actually—I looked at the equation.
1: Yeah, only in the sense that a, a, a less dense body, you might end up touching it before the Roche limit takes effect. Okay. Well, if it was really super dense, then you'd be able to get much closer to it for the same mass, wouldn't you? Because it would be smaller. Yeah. And as you get closer to the centre of mass... Obviously, the tidal forces across any any region get potentially bigger. Anyway, why are they
0: approaching Jupiter? Well, they need a slingshot. We'll get to the slingshot again, I think, later in the podcast. Oh, here's something else you didn't think was real. Oh, well, no, I, I mean, I I just don't understand slingshots. I don't, I don't, I don't dispute the science, and I don't dispute rush limits. I just, I'd read that the rush limit wasn't sufficient to disintegrate the Earth, but I, you know. I accept the
1: fact that it probably is. It's certainly enough to suck our atmosphere. Oh, away.
0: definitely, and suck all the Earth off, and suck all the planet uh, and the buildings off, and the underground cities, and and, uh, and the crust. Uh, the debate was whether a core of the Earth would still survive. Well, oh yeah, if- I'm sure the core would be fine. It's always fine. <laughs> it survived much worse. Let me tell you. It's so been around a long time. But anyway, so so the next issue is they're approaching Jupiter's orbit. Why? Well, to get For a gravitational slingshot. slingshot, fine, okay, but why do they want a grav- gravitational slingsho- slingshot? And the answer given in the movie is the Earth cannot leave the solar system without a slingshot, but why not just avoid Jupiter and Saturn
1: then what? <laughs> Well I mean I mean once no, you, you need once you, you, you th- want a massive body like Jupiter because <sighs> you can ride its its gravity and get it to pull you along and shoot you out of the No, but that's not the reason they... I know, that's a slingshot, but the reason they say they
0: want a slingshot is because otherwise the Earth will be sucked back to where it was in the solar system. Now, I think if the Earth has got as far as Jupiter, you know, at that point I don't really understand why they can't continue.
1: Well, they might not have... They may not have achieved the escape velocity for the solar orbit. Okay, well, stay with me a second. Okay, If... They've got
0: to Jupiter. Yeah. I'm fairly sure they can get to Pluto. I don't understand how much fuel they don't have not to get any further. It's not like Mm. gravity suddenly increases once you get to Jupiter, is it? Well, unless like they do, you approach Jupiter. I mean, if you avoid Jupiter's orbit, as you get to, you know, Jupiter's orbit and Jupiter's not passing by, it's fairly safe to say that gravity from the sun is weaker there than it is in the Earth's orbit, isn't it? Indubitably, yes, quite right. So, all you need is that amount of fuel and a bit more, and then pretty much you're free of the
1: sun, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. But the purpose of the gravitational slingshot is just to give you a kick to get an extra boost of speed. Um, and therefore, well,
0: that's not the reason they stated in the movie. Ah, right, okay. Okay. Well, (laughs) silly billies, silly billies, (laughs) anyway. Pretty soon, we've got a disaster because the Earth is off course by 9.23 degrees due to Jupiter's gravitational spike. Oh, the spike.
1: Yeah, I'd forgotten all the that. The spike. Here comes that's a spike. That's nonsense, isn't it? It's nonsense, yeah. Yeah, that's script writers at sea, isn't it? I think there was a lot of cases where the script writers must have been given some stuff and they didn't really know how to deal with it. Yes. And they had some science advice and they put some numbers in. But ultimately, yeah, they're just made up this spike.
0: By gravitational spike, do they mean the gravity of of Jupiter, the gravity well of Jupiter? I think they do, don't they?
1: It's not. That's not really a spike, is it, though?
0: No, it's weird. What is a spike? It wasn't explained. But in any case, the gravity well of Jupiter is highly calculable, and, and there are no anomalous occurrences with gap gravity. I mean, gravity is just gravity, you know. So this whole flight could be calculated to the exact millimetre. So why they're 9.23 de- degrees off... I mean not because of engine failure but because of an unexpected gravitational spike. I it it just it didn't sit well yeah. with me as a reason for them to be falling into Jupiter, you know. I
1: mean No, it's the other way around, isn't it? The gravitational spike causes earthquakes and stuff, and that shuts down some of the earth engines, and now they're going to they're going to hit Jupiter or get too close to survive. But yeah, it it's caused by the spike, isn't it? So as you say, it's not that we were off course because the engines didn't work. It's the, the opposite is true.
0: I see. Yeah. So they weren't expecting gravity to be so strong, <laughs> and it broke the engines. Is that what
1: you're saying? But what's worse is, when one of these engines shuts down, yeah. you can't simply start it up again. Oh, no. <laughs> no, you have to get a special thing called, what do they call it? Uh, an igniter core. yes. But I think they call it something different in Chinese. What did your movie tell you they were called? I don't know. I don't know. I was Didn't confused call- at this point. Did they call it a rock lighter or something? Potentially, yes. Oh, it's a nice language. All over the globe, presumably, but we're only really focused here in, around the Beijing area, there are teams, special teams of engine relighter guys who are running around carrying these <laughs> igniter cores back to the engines that need restarted. Like an Olympic flame. I, I wasn't sure, and I thought it was a failing of the film, why the igniter cores were not kept next to the engines. You know, like the way you keep your fire lighters next to the fire and a box of matches next to the, the gas hub and stuff like that. But in well, the book, apparently, this is explained. There's civil unrest because... And this will sound familiar. A lot of people don't believe the story that the Earth is going to be swallowed up by the sun. Uh. And so everyone's very angry and thinks that this is a way of controlling them. And so because of the civil unrest, they've got all of these armed units going around with guns. And they keep these igniter cores, which I assume by their appearance and description are basically fusion bombs. They keep them safely locked away somewhere or other. Wow. Well, I have a cautionary tale here that's not really related,
0: but does relate in a certain, in a certain sort of way, is uh, not end on sea just north of Fleetwood. I have a friend who has a sailing boat up there, and he got chatting to one of the crew, you know, people come and be crew on on, on his sailing, on his sail ship thing. One of the guys had no arm, which is an odd position. Had he got hungry?
1: Well, it's an had posi- he saved <laughs> a baby yeah.
0: from being eaten? Yeah. It's an opposition to be if you're going to be winching sails all day kind of thing. So, you know, uh, eventually he said, so, 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 so why did you lose your arm? And he said, well, I used to work that ferry over there. And uh, he'd been pressing the, obviously ferries have ramps for the cars. And he'd been yeah. pressing the button. He worked the button to lift the ramp up to, you know, flush to the ferry and took his arm off. Because the button where he was standing was right next to where the ramp Closed.
1: Well, he was standing outside and pushing it inside.
0: <laughs> yeah, he was sort of standing next to. So they might be, might have, they might have done this for for safety reasons. i.e. we don't want the button
1: next to the fire, kind of thing. I don't know. Well, we see later in the movie the steps you have to go to to use the igniter core. And believe me, losing your army to the least of your problems. (laughs) (laughs) So they've
0: stolen this ice truck and they've got arrested because they crashed it. And Grandad has to come to the rescue and Grandad tries to bribe the officials in in whatever.
1: Oh, and they meet the token Westerner. Yes, yes, they meet Tim, the token Westerner. He's the counterpoint to the way Hollywood starts putting Asian faces in movies to sell them in China. Now we get a guy who apparently is half Australian, half Chinese. Well, he's only half, isn't he's he? He's also a
0: half-wit. Uh, so, <laughs> he is
1: a half-wit, yeah.
0: I mean, do, can we call this racist? We can't really, because China's not rich enough to call it this. But yes, yeah, so he's he's portrayed in, in, in a way that's obviously referencing his, his race or his ethnic identity with, with his
1: behaviour. And he's there for the laughs, I think. I didn't feel much... Is the word simpatico? I don't know. It's a word. Uh, I didn't feel much empathy with that guy. I, I guess
0: you know, fair incomes. You know, Asians have been portrayed fairly awfully in, in movies outside of China outside of Japan and outside of Asia for for a long time. So, so who are we to begrudge? You know, uh, a, a white guy playing the clown. Nobody, I guess.
1: To be fair, though, they do their own, they do their fair share of Asian stereotypes in this movie. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> We've got the big tooth spectacle people, haven't we? You know, yeah, exactly. of, uh, who, who are who were geeky and and somewhat misanthropic. Yes, yeah. I, 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 Chinese movies, Chinese the Chinese movie industry hasn't collided head on with the idea of stereotyping yet. It, it it's 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 unreconstructed. A point I want to get get onto later is is the fact that the, the heroic masculinity in this in this movie is completely unreconstructed too. There's no self awareness about how on-screen behaviour portrays the choices of actors involved in the portrayal, really. There's just no awareness of that, really, generally. But yeah, so they're all arrested, and uh, they're thrown into jail, and Grandad comes along and saves them with a bribe, but he gets thrown in jail for bribing people, too. And I don't really know where it goes from there. I kind of got lost in the story
1: at this point, Richard, so take us on, please. Yeah, it becomes kind of a road movie, doesn't it? And they make this squad of... Of soldiers who are carrying this lighter core, and they requisition the truck when their vehicle breaks or something. I think, don't they?
0: So they're all co-opted into into joining this rescue mission to get a, a an Earth engine working again.
1: That's right, and they're very fond of saying their unit designation number. I don't I don't know why, but they say it several times during the movie. I can't remember it now, but it's C N one four two seven. At this point, Dad calls Earth, and of course. Son's got daddy issues because dad let
0: mum die in order to let them live kind of thing because half the people had to die or something to get into the underground protective city. Dad is interfering. He's trying to get them off the rescue mission, isn't he, at this
1: point? He was just trying to keep them safe, wasn't he? Ah, okay. Meanwhile, dad's on the spaceship with Gertie shows up from uh, Moon. (laughs) Now, the Gertie has actually
0: changed his name cleverly, clever Gertie, to Moss, M-O-S-S. So we've got a villainous...
1: Bad acting oh, was it AI. Moss? I thought it was Boss. Just bad... It's bad dubbing, isn't it? Oh, right. Okay. Was it Was it Moss in Chinese? It, it was Moss in Chinese. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> what, Moss as in grows on a stone? No, it doesn't grow on a stone. It does grow on a... Oh, it's... Oh, maybe they're thinking that Earth is a rolling stone.
0: Yeah. Well, it's... It, Gertie's sense. got a very good disguise. Gertie's obviously gone hyper-intelligent at this point. And I'm thinking, whoa... He's had a paint job. <laughs> I'm thinking, whoa, this is a great movie. We've got rogue AI... We've got all kinds of disaster happening. This is an everybody dies movie. Because it's not Hollywood, is it? I, I just assumed that everybody was going to die. And I kind of like that when that happens in movies.
1: But They're having to carry this lighter core. No, igniter core, whatever it is. And they have to go to Shanghai for some reason. And Shanghai is all iced over. For some reason, they can't drive the truck through the ice streets because there's a glacier in the way. Yeah. So they decide to go up a high-rise building in the lift shaft. Yeah, we've got some generic
0: cliffhanger stuff. Quite a lot of generic cliffhanger stuff here. Lift shafts, uh, long leaps across caverns, etc., etc., etc.
1: And there's a, a strong female soldier, although she turned out to be the medic, I think. Yeah. Uh, eventually, though, I think they all get pissed off with carrying this bomb around. And I think she shoots it in the end, so it stops working. Oh. Yeah. But they get another one from somewhere? I think that happens, because... <laughs> Because our hero ends up in the truck with the token white guy. Now, is Grandad dead in the lift at this point? Oh, yeah, he died. He died in the Thank lift. Thank God, because um, Grandad was a
0: liability, do you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> you knew how to drive the truck, though. So there are some humorous moments: Granddad getting in prison for bribery, uh, one of the astronauts talking sick ideas, then being sick in his helmet and trying to put it on the Westernist Tim's head. If you're not Chinese, you won't find these things funny. I didn't realise they were jokes. <laughs> they were jokes, yeah. So the, 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 there, there was humour in the movie. Uh, it probably wouldn't appeal to a Western audience. Uh, what well, I had a problem here with um, at some point, you know, we get right into Jupiter's orbit, you know, and, and this. There's some background tension building. There's obviously a ticking time, a, a timeline, if not a time bomb, for when they've got to get this thing back in the reactor core or whatever. And the tectonic plates start shifting. Probably the lava's bubbling up. And at some point, zero gravity happens, yeah? And they all start floating. Am I right in thinking
1: that? I don't think that's what happened, though. I mean, there are bits There are bits where they drive the truck over something. They're in mid I see. Well, it's a bit confused, isn't it? There are a lot of characters introduced. You've got this squad of these soldier guys and this girl. You've got these engineering technicians on board one of the other trucks. Yeah. Oh, they find a working truck with another igniter core on, don't they? And then they decide that they're all going to go to Sulawesi, despite the fact it's like a thousand miles from Beijing or something. Presumably the ocean is frozen, so that's cool. And they end up in Sulawesi with the igniter core. All hell is going off. And I think they've decided that everything is doomed. And <laughs> the instructions go out from the space station that everyone should go home and spend time with their family because the space station is now going to go away on its own, leave the Earth to fall into Jupiter, and uh, they're going to repopulate the uh, the star system with the the genetic material, euphemistically called genetic material, <laughs> on board the space station. I think that's
0: semen, semen evidence from... From, from, from a crime scene. But anyway, that's what we usually call genetic material. But anyway, uh, the rogue AI has put Dad to sleep, at this, either before or during or after this point, and Dad wakes up. So uh,
1: I don't know what Dad's doing. Dad's taking over the space station at this point, isn't he? Oh, yeah. He gets the Russian uh, cosmonaut, because the space station is fully international, and he gets the Russian cosmonaut, who has apparently got contraband vodka, uh, in <laughs> not not stereotypical at all. No, not stereotypical. And they're going to take over the space station by spacewalking on the outside and going to the central command. Yes, or something. we had a spacewalk
0: and a jump with jump during the spacewalk to to a, a critical
1: a critical rotating bar. Is this this is the bit where it's zero gravity? Paul, it's the people who are in space. No, no, I'm sure there's a zero gravity moment on Earth too. Is it right to say zero gravity when you are, well, you're just in freefall, aren't you? But it's indistinguishable from no gravity, from no gravity at all. So maybe, uh, maybe that's a false objection. I take it back. Please proceed, Your Honour. Ooh.
0: Yeah, I, I imagine freefall and zero gravity are indistinguishable. It's the equivalence principle, Paul. General relativity. Yes. But anyway, so they're going to reignite one Earth engine or 10,000 Earth engines?
1: Well, I think we're just focusing on this one at Solo AC. So there are 10,000 people doing the same thing elsewhere on the Earth? I don't think all of them stopped, but some of them stopped. Ah, That's not really clear. Okay. I mean, they're not going to tell us any more of the maths than they already did. Obviously. Okay, so my major objection is if one if 10,000 can't help
0: escape Jupiter, how can one? <laughs> I, okay, you quell my objection there. I'll, I'll let it pass.
1: So it seems that they're doomed at this point, doesn't it? I mean, there's nothing. there's nothing else to be done. One thing we have to discuss here is, I think you mentioned that this... Some possibly some good property investment advice to be had here. Yes. Why is everyone going to Alpha Centauri? Why are they going there on IO and why are these guys going there?
0: I don't know, but like you, like you say, you should buy some real
1: estate there now if you can do. The first thing to say is Alpha Centauri is the closest star, isn't it? it I think it is, yes. Yes, it is. You pulled me up on this last time, didn't you? You said it, it's not Alpha Centauri, it's Proxima Centauri is the closest star. Well, I'm not sure I've forgotten Well, if you did say that, then it's an understandable mistake, because the Alpha Centauri system is a triple star system. Is it? There's Alpha Centauri A and B, I think, which are close together and a normal binary star system. And a little bit closer is the star that has long held the record as the closest star to the sun. And that's Proxima Centauri. And it was discovered relatively recently that it is gravitationally bound to Alpha Centauri A and B. Right. So, I don't know, it's like a tenth of a light year closer. Uh, but it's orbiting, so presumably at some points, it's further away. Uh, we're splitting
0: straws, aren't we? Yes, yes, you're right. Yes, so Proxima isn't the nearest star to Earth.
1: No, it, well, it is no. at the moment. It is at the moment. And Proxima has, we've identified planets around Proxima. And I think one is a terrestrial one in the Habitable Zone. Wow. Oh, so there may be some substance to all these movies. I think so, yeah. And it's, you know, relatively close. It's conceivable that we might one day go there, I think. Well, not you and me. I mean, we're locked down. It's Tier 3 here. I can't go. I can't leave my house. Proxima Centauri.
0: <laughs> there is some solace from these movies i mean this is a great movie for lockdowns because lockdown has suddenly extended itself to several months and potentially several years and this is a really long trip they're taking and one That years one presumably at this point in the movie without any any sight of people uh, are being oh, okay. completed. So, so there's some solace to watching this movie if you're, if you're in a lockdown mood. But, so there's a message, a cheery message to the campers back on Earth. It's stuck in their Pontin's escape room. <laughs> bing, bong, bing, you know, Gladys on the xylophone. Okay, we're leaving you <laughs> on the space station. Goodbye. And it seems that everything is over for the Earth. But no, but no. Our hero, Liu Chi has a reflective moment of insight. Uh, he remembers because of his daddy issues, when his dad left him behind and, and buggered off to be a, a a top-ranking spaceman, he remembered looking at Jupiter and pointing out Jupiter's eye, and Daddy saying, no, that's not an eye. That's 90% hydrogen. Ba-dung. And suddenly, from that moment, our hero has an idea about how on Earth they can escape Jupiter's gravity.
1: Oh, yes. So the plan is to blow Jupiter up.
0: <laughs> well, it's full of hydrogen, so so... You just need a bit of oxygen.
1: That's it. So they think that because it's been sucking Earth's oxygen off for a while now, that there'll be enough oxygen to cause an ignition, an explosion, and the explosion will push the Earth away from Jupiter and off on its merry way. I I mean, it's been leaking
0: oxygen for some time (laughs) and at some speed. So you've got to assume the oxygen's pretty mixed in the atmosphere down there. So is it a one-to-one ratio, a one-to-ten, a one-to-twenty ratio? I think one-to-thirty might, you know, might still be explosive. I don't know in terms of mixing oxygen and hydrogen. I know hydrogen is very explosive, but Jupiter is 5.5 quadrillion tons. <laughs>
1: the Earth's atmosphere is a thin, tiny shell yes. around the Earth. Yes. So I worked out that
0: if it were to mix completely in Jupiter, it would be about one part in 10 to the 15. Now... <laughs> Assuming it's only gone, you know, it would shoot down to Jupiter at a heck of a pace and plunge into Jupiter, and it's been a few hours. So even assuming that it hasn't mixed with most of Jupiter, you're still talking about one part in 10, one part in 10,000. I don't think that's an explosive mixture, is it? No.
1: And of course, there wouldn't be any oxygen left to breathe, either. No.
0: And it wouldn't be directional. I mean, the idea was, the way they'd had it was like, there was still a chute, a connecting chute between Jupiter... And you know the descending Earth, a directional mm. explosion. But I think you know, by the time it's got down there, it's just going to be a big ball, you know, a few hundred, few hundred kilometers wide, mixed, mixed in with Jupiter juice, and it's going to explode everywhere rather than up, isn't it? So, so what's their idea? Their idea is to desperate. is a ball of fire that's writing, going to push push the Earth back out of Jupiter's gravitational pull. Yeah.
1: Yeah. But that's not how you get out of gravitational fields like that. You you actually just need to speed up so that you escape it. Um, you know, you obliquely its fall as it were. Ah, yeah, yeah. Escape it obliquely. But in any case, yeah. If if, if you turn around and start jetting away, it yep. won't work really. You need to go faster, and then you'll just orbit and then escape. But I mean, Jupiter's gravitational
0: pull is what two G, three G at this point. There's a pretty strong force pulling Earth down, and um, for the explosion to push it back up. We're talking about shockwaves that would have a tectonic impact anyway, aren't we? Oh, yeah, it would kill everybody. It would kill so, everybody. So, a ridiculous idea, but, you know, last-ditch attempt. I'm giving credit for that.
1: But does it work? Here is where the movie, for me, redeems itself, I think. at Around this point, all of the characters that we've seen doing stuff back on the Earth end up in, like, terrible situations. They're all desperately... The the techie guys, the geeks, are trying to fix a computer system or something. You've got our hero guy who's having to leap across a gap uh, underneath this thing that's coming down and uh, crush him. And we've got the half-sister, his adopted sister, and the unit of army guys. And they're having to... I don't know why push this giant firing pin into place. <laughs> not sure why. That's what they're having to do. and It's very heavy. Yeah. And his, his little sister gives this speech. She goes on the radio and she gives this rousing speech about, you know, whatever it is they're doing. I don't remember it. I just remember that that was the moment that if I was on a plane, I would now be crying <laughs> at the emotional moment of this movie. It's really nice. And she does. She convinces... All of the people who had been going home to see their family and loved ones in their dying moments, all decide. Well, actually, let's go and give this a go. And they turn around and they come back, and everyone helps. And there's that moment where that little girl puts her shoulder to the firing pin with all the big guys in the power armor things with their, you know, their exoskeletons. And obviously, she's not going to make the slightest contribution. But that's. It seems. This seems like a film. Thoroughly approved of by the CCP, c u p doesn't it Yes, yes, the working Chinese people are pulling together, oh yeah, they're sacrificing themselves and they're doing you know incredible feats collectively, yes, quite unlike a lot of uh, western movies, I thought oh definitely, definitely, I think let's get on to that in a second
0: because I think there's quite a lot to be said about the political position, if you like, of the movie uh the geeks uh they have a phrase that death is normal. Uh, and then one of them dies. Oh yeah, they do say that. I didn't understand that. <laughs> the geeks have to die in a Chinese movie. And <laughs> yeah, and and the engine, the the infinity engine is much better than the one we saw in Str- Stranger Things. The CGI here was pretty flaky, but the engine was really good. True. Gigantic, whirring titanium colossal effort. Uh, it was a really good infinity engine. So so yeah, let's get on to the representations in the movie and what it's all about. Wow. I mean, I, what I want to start off with is to say, traditionally, in Chinese propaganda post-49, you'd see three male role models, the peasant, the worker, and the soldier. Mm. Yeah, Two of these are kind of died out, the worker and the peasant. They're, they're not relevant to entrepreneurial China of the modern day. So really, there's only a soldier left. And I think Liu Chi, the hero, he, he, he's kind of harking back. He's harking back to a simpler... He's the peasant standard, isn't he? No, he's a soldier. Oh, is he? He's okay. a soldier. Yeah. I mean, everything about is him is a soldier. You know, he's fearless and bad-tempered and <laughs> rude to people. And, he, I mean, he doesn't behave like a worker or a peasant in, in right. Chinese society. You know, he's, he's quite confident and arrogant in a certain sort of way. Role models have died, but it does hark back to a purer era of political dialogue where where role models were very much there to be, not worshipped, but there to be followed, you know. So it, it says something about how Chinese, the Chinese state, can co-opt working models of idealism for, for for propaganda for propaganda purposes. And I don't think it can very much. It all felt a bit awkward, really, in terms of how he behaved. So, but what were you saying, Richard? You were saying something about the political nature of this. Was it just
1: propaganda? Uh, I was or, just struck was by the difference between the forms of heroism. I mean, it's not like. Uh, you know, there's quite a lot of self-sacrificing stuff going on here. Although, actually, not many of the heroes yes. die, but uh, the geeks yeah. die. And he, the the kid was gonna die. It looked like he he'd pretty much given himself up. Yeah. And the dad was gonna die. It looked like he he was doing the final act, wasn't he? When he uh, what did he do? He switched on. They vented all the fuel or something.
0: Now, you were saying this is for the greater good, but I can't take issue with that. It, it, they're all dying for a very few people. In the end, it's like death. It's 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 the death of the many for for, for the for the lesser good of the surviving few,
1: kind of thing, isn't it? You know? Well, they're saving the earth, aren't they? I mean, at the end of the film, we get to see what happens with our characters, and they're all back in underground Beijing, doing you know going to school and doing undergroundy Beijingy things and driving the truck. And I guess they'll be doing that for yes. another thousand years. Until they get to <laughs> Proxima Centauri. <laughs> but they I mean, they sacrifice
0: themselves for something that's not immediately tangible. It's not it's not them as a community, is it? It's not them and themselves. So it, it they have kind of relegated themselves to work ants to a Queen Bee relationship, haven't they, really? So I think that's what's different is that they're, the way their heroism works is they're not necessarily going to see benefit for the things that they value. Not selfish things, but the community that they belong to or, or the group they belong to, they're not necessarily going to see a direct benefit from this behaviour, are they? So it is different, but I'm, I'm not sure how it is different to how Western Western heroism is portrayed.
1: It's subtly different, yeah. Because they're obviously aping mm. Hollywood <clears throat> Yeah, they're That's trying the other to hate thing, yeah. Hollywood yeah. in so many yeah. ways that it's very difficult to to see the differences quite often, but but it, I, I did get a very different sense of the form of the sacrifice that they'd undertaken and what it meant for them. Mm. That's a very thoughtful way of looking at what is in, in essence a crazy action movie about flying the earth to another star.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's a piece of schlock, but it was ridiculously successful. It was very finite.
1: popular, yeah, didn't it? it in a makes... billion
0: dollar movie, you know, yeah. I mean, which given how cheap some of the CGI is, is... Uh, the CGI incredible. was
1: okay. I'll tell you what I found disappointing as we move into scores, I think. And maybe we should start with special yeah. effects and stuff. But I thought the the set design, particularly the underground cities, was quite... I mean, it just didn't feel like that was Beijing underground. no.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't think the sets necessarily were anything other than generic. But, I mean, there's kind of an appetite for, I guess this is aimed at younger males in China. I don't think it was aimed at a foreign audience. I think the, you know, the white monkey in the movie was just there for the benefit of Chinese audiences for a laugh, rather to you know, for, quick, for cheap laughs, rather than to, to send this out on the seven seas to, you know, to get ticket sales elsewhere. Sure. yeah i think you know for younger chinese males the set design was probably more than passable
1: i think the overall look of the movie was quite interesting i don't i don't fault it for that yeah. it just felt a bit small but i liked i liked the truck stuff although the cgi was a bit ropey but it wasn't wasn't bad and the space stuff well it was it was passable i liked the spaceship uh, space station sequences they were quite well done so for special effects yeah. I will give this a seven. I'm going to go a six. Okay. On this and not say much about it. All right, let's
0: talk about the acting. Mm. Pathos. It was very gooey. It was so sentimental. But that's that's how they're trained to act. When they get to you a know, Chinese acting school, a confirmation of fundamental relationships between family members, quite an outpouring of emotion, quite a lot of anger and rage. Very standard at Chinese acting, I thought. What can you say? The lead actor was very handsome.
1: I don't know, a six really from me. I yeah, I thought the I thought the uh, girl was great. I just thought she carried quite a lot of the personality of it. Yeah, there was a, some there was some real stereotypey stuff going on. The Russian guy, it's very typical Russian cosmology kind of portrayal, wasn't it? And yeah, yeah. the geeks, yeah. the engineering guys, the soldier squad was more interesting, perhaps, than usual. So a a six, I will give this.
0: Okay, on to probably shakier ground. The science. What do you think about the science, hmm. Richard? And we may disagree on this.
1: Alpha Centauri is a decent destination, maybe the only destination for the planet Earth. The the sun will eventually expand and kill us all if we don't move. Yeah, getting to Alpha Centauri over a thousand years, I mean I'm not sure. I mean it's a better time scale than the one they had in Io, but uh okay, it's gonna be tricky. De- moving the Earth there's a lot of big problems with the physics of that. <laughs> Falling into Jupiter accidentally. Yeah, I don't buy that.
0: I'll give this
1: yeah. a charitable five.
0: Yeah, for me, the anomalous ending of the sun was probably the biggest issue I had with it. it. At least explain why, it's, why the sun's about to burn. That's just a hand wave.
1: Yeah, but I, I like... I, you just want a little reason, even if it's incredible. Yeah, A little
0: reason. Even if it's, even if it's incredible. I, I just want a backstory to the yeah. sun. Imploding or whatever
1: it's about to do. You just all you want is someone at the beginning going, and if this tiny crystal were to get into the sun, and then you know some accident. Yes, happened, that's all you need. That's yeah. all like, we need. It's like the start of uh, what's the hospital drama <laughs> called where there was always someone walking under a ladder and a you know some someone driving drunk with a motorbike. What's it called? Casualty. Yeah, yeah. Casualty. <laughs> Yeah, people
0: people driving a motorbike down the wrong wrong the wrong way down a road and somebody falling off a ladder <laughs> onto them kind of thing. Yeah, not going to happen. But it's all we need, really, isn't it? You know. Uh, so that for me was the biggest problem, not with the science, but how the science was used in setting up the movie. I mean, <sighs> exploding Jupiter to escape it—just uh, silly. Let's be honest. The speed involved getting to getting to Alpha Centauri
1: credible,
0: potentially, depending how powerful those earth engines are. But how are you going to power them with rocks? <laughs> not sure about that. Do they mean? I think they mean radioactive rocks, don't they? But the rest of it, I thought a lot of the science was quite good. It was, you know, it was based on science reality. I think there wasn't anything apart from the things I've just mentioned that that said, you know, this is this is
1: ridiculous. So I'm going to score it an eight brief. on the science. Okay. Mm. It had a robot, but no sex bots. Sex bot count was zero. Yeah, you got to mark it down for no sex bots. Still, you give me your score. I don't know why I'm arguing with you. That leads us to the storyline <laughs> and the plot and dialogue and whatever else you want to include.
0: Wait, I mean it's very well thought out as a novel. Obviously, I'm not sure that they cut it down to quite a small enough size to put in a two-hour movie. I thought it was a bit too mm. much going on there, and, and not enough of it was was yeah. explained. So they tried to cram too much in so for me, and the dialogue was pretty snappy, there were some good one-liners in, some of which were humorous potentially, uh, so it would be an eight for the story, but because it's a bit too much for two hours, I'm going to mark it as a seven
1: I feel it's a strong seven, yeah I think that's, that's yeah. fair yeah, you know, again it's something we haven't really seen before, and it's it's asking questions that don't often get asked, you know who else has thought to try and move this, the Earth? I think Larry Niven might have done it in a book, but we haven't seen it on screen. So, nice one. But
0: a curious hybrid in the end, you know, this, this kind of aping Hollywood, but also a nostalgic look back to, you know, post-Second World War, Chinese communist uh, hero propaganda using one of the archetypes for males, you know, the soldier. A, a weird combination Weird Hydra of a thing, but ultimately
1: quite enjoyable. I would score it eight overall. That's high. Yeah, I wouldn't say it's so good that you need to see it. A six may be a bit low. I think a seven is a very fair score overall for it. It's worth a look, definitely worth a look.
0: Okay, so it it scored like a Huawei, didn't it? Really <laughs> compared to a compared yeah. to a Samsung. You know, I mean. Like you know, it, it's it's not knockout, but it, it does the job, and and it has some it has some exotic interest. If if you don't think that sort of stuff's illegal anymore, which some people do, so I, I would say watch it for the fact that it's Chinese, because you know I, I I'm I'm a fan of exotica. So
1: the advantage of Huawei products is all your data is backed up by the Chinese government, <laughs> even if you forget. That's brilliant. You just have to use the code word Ouija and they right. they'll retrieve your data for you.
0: <laughs> right. Well woof. I, I better be silent at that point before before I hear a knock on the door. Uh well I was gonna suggest for next week. Oh we finished, I think we, we are, are finished. Yeah. So final scores. Yeah, I recommend, I think, for this one from both of us, speaking on your behalf, Richard. Moving on to next week, I was going to suggest High Life and Gravity as sci-fi movies to watch next week. But lo and behold, it is Halloween. So therefore, change of tack, you know, uh, how about this? How about we watch a horror movie for a Halloween special?
1: Well, I had assumed that we were going to stick with the two sci-fi movies you suggested. I was going to say, oh, I've seen Gravity and... It's It's got plenty oh, of nonsense in it that we might get into. And the long story short is she's going to die at the end. Right. The other one that you mentioned, I think, is listed as a sci-fi horror. This is High Life, isn't it? Is it? That's what I've read. High Life, yeah. So the alternative is that we do a horror movie. The question is, what horror movie would we do? So maybe this is the best choice. Okay, let's watch High Life. On the assumption that it a is
0: horror. a sci-fi horror movie for Halloween. And if it isn't,
1: we'll have to do a Halloween special Good. separately.
0: High Life it is, my friends. So if you want to preview and foreload your brains before listening to Pre-loaded. the podcast, uh, check out High Life before, before it arrives next well, week. Well, you
1: better, because we're going to spoil the hell out of it. <laughs> I'm also going to spoil the fact that there's music on the way. Okay, in, in how long? I think in three, two, two one. one.